You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Father, in the powerful name of Jesus, we are careful to give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. We're so grateful that you're with us today. You said if we acknowledge you in all our ways, you lead and direct our paths and crown our efforts with success. So we acknowledge you in this place today. And we thank you for leading and directing our paths and our steps and crowning our efforts with success. We're just so grateful. Holy Spirit, you're our teacher. You're our helper, our comforter, our standby, our advocate. Thank you for teaching us the Word of God today. Father, I realized a long time ago, it's not important what I say that counts. It's so important what you say to each one in this room about what's said that matters the most. So we give you all the praise and glory and honor. Thank you for being with us in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. Well, let's thank them. And... Wow. Well, you may be seated. Man, it's an honor to be here, guys. Truly, I know you have a lot of great ministers and speakers come through here. And uh, Jurgen is so liked around the country. Uh, but he's a friend of mine. And we became friends very quickly when I first met him because he loves America. And, and I love America. My father gave his life for America. And so, uh, and he was just, he was just so patriotic and he, and he loved the word of God and he's passionate. And I thank God for leaders who are passionate and, and just stand when, when others don't stand. And so over this whole time we've talked and I said, you should frame all the cease and desist, uh, you know, things, put them on your wall, frame them. And, uh, but, but you know what, folks, here's the reality. The, the Constitution didn't give us freedom. God gave us freedom. And if we don't fight for it now, we lose it forever. So I thank God for your pastors, Pastor Jurgen Leanne, who fight for you and for this country and for the right to believe the way we want to believe. And so I honor him and I, I do esteem him. And so it's an honor to be in his pulpit today. Listen, I'm going to teach a message that I simply titled, Take a Breath. With all the craziness in the world, we've never seen anything like what we've seen. People, leaders coming against the church and coming against just businesses and people just to thrive and make a living. And sometimes we, we don't stop to breathe. You know, I know you're in a prayer series. And, and when you think about prayer, prayer's not always doing all the talking. A big part of prayer is doing some listening. You know, to get quiet before God. And can I say this too? I just had this thought. Prayer is not giving them all your complaints. You can't find anybody who would say, God says, just tell me all your complaints. Tell me how bad I am. He, we come to him with the word and we pray and we believe and we act on it. Prayer without action is just nothing more than talking. You know, God, you do this. And God says, no, you do this. You do this and then I'll do what I'm supposed to do. So as you're going through this prayer series, man, learn how to pray. Everybody can pray. And it really is talking to God. And it's, you know, sharing your heart and honoring him and glorifying him. And, and so I, I pray you do that. But part of the journey that we all take, this thing called a process, if you would. And a process, I'm going to read it for you. I didn't read it in the other service. But I'm going to read it because I think it just makes more sense maybe as we go forward. A process is defined as a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. A natural phenomenon marked by gradual changes that lead toward a particular result, the process 
of growth. Let me read Jeremiah 2.25. It says, slow down, take a deep breath. What is the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? We all want everything so quick. You know, if I go through McDonald's today and they, and I order something and I get to that window and they said, sir, would you please pull up to the next window? Wait, I, I'm like, can I change my order? I mean, I don't want to wait two more minutes. And, and because we're in a hurry and sometimes we need to take a breath. And, and, and realize that the process that God has, everyone who acknowledges him as Lord, if you've acknowledged him as your Lord, if you've prayed, God, be Lord of my life, then he takes it seriously and he puts you on a journey. And it's the process of growth because he knows exactly what you need. You know, as I was praying to come here and just meditating on uh, being here with you today, I, I had a couple of thoughts. And, and so I'm going to give you a couple of them. You can call them word of knowledge. They're just thoughts. And here, here it is. Some people, when we, when we talk about the spirit of fear, and probably the spirit of fear has been talked about more in the last year and a half than, than any other time. I mean, we mentioned it, but now we're realizing what it is. And so, but can I say this? Just because you're afraid sometimes doesn't mean you have the spirit of fear. And in Christianity, we tend to just lump everything together or not articulate it in a way that makes sense. Listen, if you're walking and I jump out at you, you're going to be a little afraid. Come on. You're going to be jumping like, and my wife hates it. She like hits me like, and I stop. Cynthia, she said, well, quit making me afraid. I don't like being afraid. But sometimes when we're afraid, if I was walking through a dark alley, I would, I would have a little, I'd be a little afraid. I mean, I don't know who's in there. And if I see somebody, I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, what's going to happen next? But it doesn't mean you have the spirit of fear. So here's the thought. Sometimes you have to do what you're supposed to do afraid. You call it courage if you want, call it whatever you want, but it, it just makes more sense in my thinking. Like sometimes I just have to let God lead me or I need to do what I'm supposed to do, even though I'm a little afraid, but it doesn't mean you have the spirit of fear. It just means you're normal. You're human. See, we lump all these things together. You think about the church world. You know, it's so funny. If you can be a hardened criminal, you could kill 20 people. But if a Christian comes along your path, you'll say, man, you can be redeemed. You can be restored. You can be saved. Right? I mean, everybody can be born. But why is it when we become Christians, if you make a mistake, somehow you're the worst thing in the world? You can't be redeemed. Somehow, somehow, I hope God's going to get them for that. Like, why is God not going to get the lost and get the saved? And along our journey, this process we go through, we're all going to make mistakes. And when you make mistakes, and here's my other thought for you, we need to realize that feeling guilty, remorse, you know, taking responsibility for your actions are all normal. But let me tell you what's not normal is shame. And shame says, I have no value. That I've messed up so bad that now God can't even love me. Can I tell you, the other ones are mistakes and you feel bad for mistakes. And if you don't, you can get born again today. Because if you don't feel bad, if you don't feel like, oh man, I blew it. Then, then, you know, I've had people sit across my desk that are in adultery. And I said, do you feel bad? No, I don't feel bad. And I used to think, how can you not feel bad? And then I realized because they're not saved. I mean, it, it, how many of y'all feel bad when you make a mistake? Thank God you're born again. I mean, people say, I don't like feeling this way. Yeah, we, but we don't feel shame. Shame means I have zero value. Peter denied Jesus three times. And he went back to his old life. Because I believe he felt some shame. But you know what? Jesus never shamed him. 
He never even really dealt with it. He just said, Peter, this was, you know. He didn't go, oh, Peter, I told you, told you, told you. But that's how we are with the church. Listen, we're all, we're all messes waiting to happen sometimes. And shame is so hurtful that it, it, it's like, I, how can I come to God? How can I pray? How can I ever come to church? How, how can God ever love me? Folks, that is, that is not from God. God never deals with his children that way. And so if that's you in Jesus' name, right where you see it, I just want to know if I'm praying for anybody. Because I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask God to lift that so you can think different. And if that's you, just have your head pad just for a moment. And you say, you know, would you include me in your prayer? Man, I, I struggle with that. I don't want to struggle with it anymore. If that's you in Jesus' name, would you just lift your hand? I just want to know if I'm praying for anybody. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, all over the place. Father, in Jesus' name, we break authority over the spirit of shame that makes people and make us feel like we're just worthless. And God, that's what, that's what being abused does sometimes. That's what we live life, and sometimes life is so difficult. So Father, I pray for each one that lifted their hand that that spirit would be broken, that they would be free, that that heaviness would be lifted, and we break that stronghold of shame. We break that mentality, that thinking, and we ask that you open their eyes of their understanding that they can see the true glorious light of the gospel. Because Father... You want the best for each one of us. So love them today. May they feel accepted by you in such a way that they have maybe hadn't felt in a while. And maybe they realize that I made a mistake. I repented for that. And I'm moving forward with God. He doesn't love us when we, just because we don't make mistakes. He loves us even when we make mistakes. So thank you, Father, for blessing each one in Jesus' name. Amen, amen and amen. Let me read Proverbs. Proverbs says also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge. And when we're without knowledge, we, we make mistakes. For instance, the, one of the scriptures you're hearing more and more in America from the ungodly is, if you love your neighbor yourself, you will do these things. I don't think Jesus 2,000 years ago was sitting around thinking, oh, there's going to be a pandemic. And if you do the things everybody says you love in your neighbor. Folks, the, the, the ability to love your neighbors yourself is simply this. You find a need and fill it. Your neighbor is not the person next door to you that you live by. Your neighbor is anybody in need that we feel. Now, let me, let me, let me specify it this way. We don't, God never has any part of his word where he says, help the lazy. In fact, he said, you, won't, you don't work, you don't eat. He talks about slothfulness and how bad it is. He did say we should help the poor. Now, just because if people are working hard and they're poor, we, we, we will help them. But so much in our world, we don't differentiate between the lazy and the poor. So he said, get up and fix your own food. And so we, we need to realize how God operates. And loving your neighbor is simply finding a need and filling it. And, and helping people when you can. And that's what this church does. That's loving your neighbor. It's not keeping all this other junk that the world says. And we have to stop as Christians listening to an ungodly world. Tell us what our Bibles say. I think when the ungodly use the word against the church, it is mockery. It's a scorner. And God said, don't sit with them. So you and I need to realize that it, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge. And he who hurries with his feet, acting impulsively and proceeding without caution or analyzing the consequences, sins and misses the mark. That you and I need to realize we got to slow down. And whether you like it or not, in the process that God has for us, he has one for each one of us. 
he never gets in a hurry. You know, Jesus, J. Iris comes to Jesus and says, come with me, my daughter's dying, come and pray. And Jesus didn't like, okay, let's run. He walked through the crowd. Imagine this, he walks through the crowd. J. Iris is panicking because it's his daughter. He wants Jesus to come right now. He walks through a crowd. Everybody's patting him on the back. It's like if we put someone in the middle of this room and we all were like, good job, and slapping them and, and you, know, you know, patting them on the back and high-fiving them. And then the guy stopped and said, who touched me? We'd all be looking like, are you crazy? What do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. But Jesus, in the midst of that crowd, a woman comes up and touches the hem of his garment. Now, she knew she was violating the law of that day. She knew she was considered unclean, and she touched the, the rabbi or the teacher, and he would be unclean. And then they couldn't go in the temple till they did the cleansing thing. So she touches him, and Jesus turns around in the midst of all this throng of people, and he goes, who touched me? And his disciples reacted just like we would, like, what are you talking about, dude? I don't know if they call him dude, but what are you talking about? Dude, everybody's touching. He goes, no, no, no. And here's the thing with the reality of Christianity today. So many people are touching him, but not a lot of people are believing enough in him to exercise their faith. They're touching him and high five and say, you're a cool dude. You're all right. But only very few actually touch him with the spirit of faith that says, I believe in you. So he turned around and he took his time. The lady came up and, you know, the story, she came in his feet and she said, I did it, man. I have this issue of blood. And I went to all the doctors, spent all I had. And he goes, man, your faith has made you whole. But think about Jairus. Can you imagine him like, Jesus, don't stop. We don't want to talk to her. Let's just go. My daughter's dying. And Jesus was never in a hurry. Can I say this? When you say yes to Jesus, he's never in a hurry with you either. That's right. Wow. And all of us will go through this process making change after change after change. You say, well, how long does it last? Until you die. Because in, as long as you're alive, there's changes that need to be made. And only God knows really what they are. Yeah, let, me, let me give you this statement. Feelings are not facts. And so much of our world is lived by your feelings. I feel this way. I feel that way. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't make it a fact. God never said, live by your feelings. You can't find one scripture like where Jesus walked up to someone and said, how do you feel today? You're feeling good. That's how we operate. It's just like this. People say they love Jesus. Do you know there's not a scripture in the Bible where Jesus says, tell me you love me? Not one. That's what humans do. My wife, you love me? Yeah, I love you. You didn't say it. You hung up and didn't say it. I mean, if I don't, if I don't tell her I love her when I hang up the phone, she'll call me back and say, you didn't tell me you love me. That's what we do. But we always want to make God human. Do you know there's not one scripture where Jesus said, tell me you love me now. Tell me. Because if he did, then we'd have to live by our feelings. Here's what he said. If you love me, you just keep my commandments. You keep my word. So if you really love the Lord, we tell him, oh, Lord, I love you. Really? Are we doing what he asks? Because that's how he knows we love him. By doing what he says. And when we say yes to the Lord, and, and it doesn't matter what season we are in in life, we need to ask ourselves a few questions as we walk with God. No matter what you're going through, what do I need to learn? While I'm in this season, what do I need to see? God, what is it you want me to see? What do I need to see? See, God is always teaching and instructing us always. So the bottom line is this. Growth comes with struggles and difficulties. 
So many people, you know, I, I used to have people tell me, you know, I'd be around people say, man, if you get saved, God will take care of all your problems. Can I say it this way? You don't even know what problems you have until you get saved. <laughs> Think about it. Before I was saved, I was drinking, partying, going to college. I was having fun. I didn't get saved because I had a bad day. I, I don't even know how I got I just went to church and I, my hand's in the air and I'm like, what the heck are you doing? Because I, I, I used to be terrified to get up in front of people. In fact, I wouldn't do it. I was horrified. I'm, I, I took F's in school, even though I did my reports, because I wouldn't read them in front of the class. So then I, I say yes to the Lord, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And the Lord took it seriously. And, and when, you, when you come to Christ, he begins a journey in your life. And you and I need to understand that he's in charge. And in life, there's going to be difficulties and problems. And so when I got saved, they told me, you got to stop talking this way. You got to stop doing these things. You can't go to parties. You can't. And it was my whole life. I, I can't. I'm dead. Might as well kill me. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, you're telling me my whole life, everything I've done is wrong. So when I got saved, I realized I had issues. And then I, you know, I, had, to, I had to make a lot of changes. I'm still making changes. If you ask my wife, I still have many issues, but we're all a work in progress. And, and, and in life, when you walk with Christ, he knows what's best. He knows exactly what you need. He knows what you need to work on. That's why when you hear the gospel preach or you hear something said, maybe about money, you get irritated. You know why you get irritated? Because you're probably not doing it. And so God knows you got to get free that way. Amen. Isn't it funny how we think as believers? Like, how do you think this happens? <laughs> well, if God wants you to have it, he'll give it to you. Well, if God wants my, my, my yard mowed, then he, I guess he'll mow it. How come he's not out there mowing? I've never seen God mowing my yards or pulling my weeds. The way God operates on the earth is to use you, not in a bad way, in a good way, but he needs to groom you. So you go through this process, and sometimes it's pain and difficulties. Because so many Christians say, I just want to be happy. You know, there's not a scripture in the Bible where it says, God says, I'm just going to make you happy. Happy people are happy. I have an affirmation that I've said for years, and I live by it, and I, and I truly do. And here it is. I wake up happy and full of energy every day. And you ask my wife to this day, she'll say, you ask my kids, my grandkids, Papa's always happy. I'm, oh, you know why? Because I choose to be. Do I have problems? Yes. Have I been hurt? Yes. Do I have difficulties? Yes. But I choose my attitude. And if you live by your feelings, which are not facts, you let your feelings choose your attitude. And that's why we're so discouraged and disappointed with God so often. Like, God, if you love me, why am I going through this? Because I do love you. You need to go through it. How is he going to? He's the potter. You're the clay. How is he going to work you unless you let him work you? That's right. That's right. Tell it. To make you into whatever he has for you to be. Amen. So you have to humble yourself and be committed to the process. And that means when it's hard, you're still in the process. Right. When it's tough, you're in the process. Amen. When it's easy, you're in the process. When it's good, you're in the process. You're in the process making changes constantly so that we can be more like Christ and we can walk with him in a greater way. Amen. And here's the key, guys. Here's what some Christians do. They, they walk with God till it gets hard and then they walk away. Yeah. Then they'll come back. Then it'll be hard again and they'll walk away. It's almost like they're a, a guinea pig on a thing, on a wheel. Yeah. 
And they say, why is my life always like this? Because you refuse to submit yourself to the process. So God, hey, God, the Holy Spirit led Jesus in the wilderness. Why don't we think we're ever going to get led to a wilderness? God, why am I here? Because I need you to be here. And here's the questions. What do I need to learn? What is it you want me to see? So he'll put you around difficult people sometimes too. So you can learn not to be moved by your feelings. You can look for the best in people instead of the worst. I tell it to my staff all the time. I said, I know these people are a little tough, but you know what? Here's what they do that's good. We have to learn that all of us have stuff. You know, I've heard people talk about their problems and it's like, oh my gosh, when did that happen? And they'll say 20 years ago. And I'm like, they talked about it like it happened yesterday. And I'm like, man, you've been, you, you've been dealing with that for 20 years? Well, God doesn't want you to deal with that for 20 years. Not that kind of pain. So it's a process. We're walking. And when we walk with God, he's going to take us to some places. You know, years ago, I was preaching in Roswell. I was pastoring in Roswell, New Mexico. And when I got there, I was in the sanctuary and I was praying. And I said, God, this is simply no fun. That's my statement. This is no fun. This is not fun at all. I thought it would be fun. But it's no fun. And here's the thought that came to my mind immediately. When did I ever say it'd be fun? And I'm looking like, well, let me, let me find a translation that says it. It wasn't in there. He said, Steve, I never said it'd be fun, but I always said it'd be worth it. That's the walk with God. We got to quit. I mean, because we think so much with our feelings and so much of the world says, and we make God somebody he's not. And either we learn this from people who know it and from reading it ourselves or we let the world tell us what our Bible says and this is not written to them this is written to you if you're a believer this book is written to you it's life to all your flesh heaven and earth will pass away but my word will never pass away so we got to learn it. That's why you got to be in church. That's why you got to serve. You gotta, that's why you got to sow. As Pastor Jürgen said, the reason some of us had no seed because we don't sow. And, and the reason we don't know the Bible is because we don't, we don't, it's not important to us. We, we know more songs on the radio than we do know what the scriptures say. And when we get into the word, God just helps us think practically. Like, because when, when I'm talking to you, hopefully it's saying, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. It makes sense. Because God is a God of sense. It might not make sense at the time. You, like, if I give, then I won't have. No, he says, you don't have because you don't give. It, 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 you, 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 you know, when people go through hard times, the first thing they want to do is quit serving in the church. Well, my family and I need a break. Take a break from your job. Take a break from all your activities. Take a break from going out and eat. But never take a break from God. Because he's the only one. He's the only one that can help you. He's the only one that knows what you need. So for me, I got saved. I, went to, I was going to college. I went to Bible school. And then I thought when I get out of Bible school, I'm going to get a job in a church and people are going to hire me and no one hired me. No one wanted me. So you know what God did? He opened the door at UPS. I worked for UPS for 10 and a half years. I drove a package car. Yes, what can Brown do for you? I was that guy for 10 and a half years. So I know what it is to sweat and hurt. And I used to tell the Lord, because after six months, I hated it because I thought I should be in the ministry. But the problem with that thinking is I needed to understand that God knew where I needed to be trained. 
So I didn't like it. I had trouble. I got hurt. I, I, it was hard. And I used to tell the Lord this all the time. And I, won't, I don't say anymore, but I used to tell him, Lord, if I can remember UPS when we get to heaven, we're gonna, I want to talk. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> Seriously. I used to say it to him all the time. If he was here, he'd say, yeah, he said, knucklehead. And now I look back and now I've been away from him. And I said, oh God, I see exactly what you were doing. See, in the moment, we may not realize it, but man, if we walk with him and don't get discouraged and don't give up on God and walk and say, I've humbled myself, you are Lord, you are Lord, you're the leader, then folks, no matter what you go through, and I know there's pain in this room and I know there's hurt and I know there's disappointment and I know there's grief, I know that, but it doesn't change who God is. And if you're hurting, it's not God's fault. If you're going through a difficult time, that may be God leading, leading you to, to, so you can be fine-tuned, so you can grow. How do we grow without a little bit of pain and discomfort? So now I look back at UPS and I say, God, thank you for UPS. Because now I see what you were doing. He said, what could he do at UPS to help you do this? Listen, he taught me to work and to serve no matter how I felt. When it's 100 degrees outside and 90% humidity in Tulsa, Oklahoma... He said, Steve, I know you're tired. I know you're sweating. I would sweat so much that the white stains would come through a t-shirt and a shirt. And he said, I know, but you keep serving because it's not based on how you feel. It's based on your decision. He taught me when it's freezing cold to serve. When I was hurt, you serve when you're hurt. I had no idea what pastoring was going to be like. I had no idea that I was going to have to walk to this pulpit at times hurting and broken and tired. And then when you get up here, you realize I'm not here for me. I serve the people. So I have no right to think about myself right now. It's about what you've called me to do. So I look back and I think, thank you, Lord, for that. Because he knew I needed 10 and a half years. And you know why I needed 10 and a half years? To get my attitude right. Because I was always complaining. And one day I said, God, if this is all you have for me, I'm good. And I will just try to be the best at it. Because it's his will, not our will. And when you submit yourself to the process, you keep walking. You falter, you fall, you make mistakes, you get up and keep walking. You never give up. And as you go through some of these things, you'll realize that when you go through them again, you'll go through them better. It'll be easier. Your attitude won't be all the way up in the air. You'll be like, man, I'm managing this. And people say, how do you deal with this? Oh, yeah, because I've learned how through this process that God's taken me, how to manage myself my thoughts, my words, and how I respond because God's with me. And it's up to each one to decide are you going to humble yourself because humbleness is the cure to all evil desires. Feelings are not facts, folks. The Word of God sets us free, not puts us in bondage. And once again, if God led Jesus into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, why do we never think we don't have wilderness moments? God's led me. I've officiated. I, I, I did football. I, I, you know, I was an umpire in baseball or fast foot softball, basketball, football for 20-something years. I did junior college football. Do you know what God taught me in that? Officiating? To not be moved by people. Because sometimes you go rough a game and a coach would say, you did a great job. You're the best official I've seen in a long time. The next week you have them, they're saying, you stink. You're sorry. You're, you're the worst excuse for an official I've ever seen. And, and you say, well, well, how could God teach you? He taught me this, not to get too puffed up with the compliments and not to get too down with the criticism. 
So you can't be moved. You're here. But if people say you did good, it's like, yes. But those sin people could say you do bad. And if you believe them when they, when they tell you to do good, you have to believe them when, you, when they tell you to do bad. So I learned. And I learned to make tough calls. I was in a football game, junior college game, number one again, I got to hurry. Number one against number five in the nation. I was the back judge. The team that's number five is, is, is um, uh, got the team down on their end line, their goal line. And, and that team's starting to come this way where they throw a pass. And they throw a pass downfield. The number one team throws it. The, the, the other team, the number five team, and we're at their place, intercepts the ball, runs it back down the two, and they're all screaming like, yes, yes, we're going to win the game, yes. And the next thing I know, uh, my, the head ref, because I'm the back judge, I'm blowing my whistle coming in because I had a flag on the play. And what happened was the cornerback hit the receiver right before the ball got there, and it bounced in the air, and their team intercepted it. And so I'm standing there when I saw it, and I said, oh, man, that's a, that's a flag. But you hesitate because you know it's going to change the whole game. But you learn to make the call. You learn to, to say what's right. And you threw, I threw my flag. I came in, and I looked at the ref, and he said, what do you got, Smother? And I said, I got pass interference on the defense. He goes, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so he said, we got pass interference on the defense. And ev that, every coach on that sideline called me every name that you can imagine not not oh, they knew I was a preacher they didn't care every name you're not supposed to say they called me but here's what I left the field and they said you stink smotherman and all I kept saying was watch the film coach and when they watch the film on your life are you going to make the calls that change your life and others or are you going to be all about you that's the decision we all have to make And, and here's what's great. It's your decision to make. You get to make it. You make the call who you're going to serve. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for being here. I thank you for truth. I thank you for honor. I thank you, God, that we are hearing what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. That, God, you're just trying to encourage each and every one that we all face tough times. And when we face them, it doesn't mean you dislike us or you don't love us. It may mean... This is just where you're leading us, that you want to grow us, that we need to learn something and see something. Help us learn quickly, though, Lord, but help us never to be in a hurry because we'll miss so much of what you have for us. We'll miss so much life. Help us learn our lessons so that we're stronger and better for the days to come because only you know what we're going to face tomorrow. Father, give us that ability that no matter what we face, will never walk out on you, that will serve you and honor you and learn and, and realize your force, not against us, that you, you want to help us, that you're, you've got our best in mind always. You're never punishing us like some people think. So God, help us to learn your ways, to know your ways. Help us to humble ourselves and say, Lord, you're, you're Lord. You're, you're, you're the boss and I will follow you and I'll surrender my life wherever you want me to go. Bless each one in this room, Father, whoever's watching online in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here or you're online and you say, Preacher, would you pray with me? I have walked with God and I've walked away for those very things. I just feel like, man, and then you say, well, feelings aren't always facts. And so what you're feeling may not be truth at all. It may be God just working in your life. 
And if that's you and you say, would you pray for me? I want to pray for you right where you're seated. Or you're here and you say, preacher, I've never really given God my life, not like I'm supposed to. I've said a prayer here and there, but nothing's ever changed. And the reason nothing's ever changed is because you haven't made him Lord. You know, the Bible says this. So many people want saved, but they don't want lordship. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess him as Lord, then you'll be saved. Lordship comes before salvation. Jesus, you're Lord of my life. He said, then I'll save your life from eternal death. The Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction in Matthew 7. And many thereof will find it. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And very few find that way. You know why? Because too many people are too busy patting Jesus on the back instead of touching him with the spirit of faith and doing what he's asking you to do. And it's your choice. With every head bowed, just for the next few moments, if you say, preacher, would you include me in your prayer? Just so I know if I'm praying for anybody, and you say, I just need to give my life to the Lord. I need to get back right with him, and I, I know, and, and I, I need to learn, and I'm learning, and I want to learn. I want to please him. But it's so difficult, and I feel like I fail him. And, and, and you know what? We, we, don't, we don't fail God when we're learning. We fail when we quit learning or we walk away. So it's time to come home and get, get started in the process. If that's you in Jesus' name, without any hesitation, I'm asking you to do one simple thing. And it's so simple, but it's so meaningful. It gives you a moment to confess Jesus before man and say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I want you in my life. And he'll confess you before our Father in heaven. So are you ready in Jesus' name? If that's you, if you're ready with no hesitation, say, would you include me in your prayer? Right where you're seated, would you just lift your hand? That's all I'm asking you to do. I just want to know if there's anybody here. Thank you. God bless 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 you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you over here. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you at top. God bless you up there. God bless you over here. God bless you guys, all you guys. Thank you so much. God just wants your heart. So you, you, you humble yourself and say, God, I'm ready. I'm going to get involved in the process, and I'm going to do what you want me to do. Anybody else? Father, in the powerful name of Jesus, thank you so much. Anybody else before we close? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, sir. I don't have a sad story to tell you. I'm not trying to work your emotions. I'm trying to get people to make a decision that I want God in my life. Regardless of what that means, I want him in my world. Anybody else? Father, in the powerful name of Jesus, I thank you for each hand that was raised. There were so many, and I pray their lives will never be the same because of you because you in their life that they'll realize they'll realize how good you are they'll learn to realize how much you do care about them and care about us and father through the difficult times we'll just learn we'll grow we'll figure out what it is you want us to see or what we need to learn we'll be stronger and better for it thank you God for touching and loving each one in this room in Jesus' name. If you lifted your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud. The Bible says we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths. I'm going to ask you to do that. But I'm going to ask everybody in here that's right with God. Because so many lifted their hands that in support of them and, and let them know we're with them, that we'll all pray together. And if you lifted your hand, pray with all your heart. I'm going to introduce you to my friend Jesus. And he's going to save your life. Would you pray this? Would you pray, Father, I choose to believe in Jesus. And I believe he is your son and he is the only way to you. So according to your word, I believe that in my heart. And now I willingly confess with my mouth, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I will follow you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much.
Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.